there are a lot of papers and documents and various records that come into our possession over a period of time. What do you do with all those papers and documents and things that come to you? What do you do with them? Well, it depends, right? Some of them are absolutely unimportant, and they go straight into the trash. Uh, For instance, uh, junk mail, flyers that you receive, that sort of thing. There's relatively very little importance to those things, and you have absolutely no inclination to save them or store them back or anything else. You just get rid of those kind of papers. There are some other papers and documents, that sort of thing, that come into your possession that are more special, and you maybe save them temporarily. I know that when Cindy gets notes or colored pictures from the grandkids, they they go on the refrigerator. You know, you don't just throw those things away. Those are special, and so you save them up. But although Cindy tries, I don't think Cindy can keep those forever and indefinitely. After some period of time, those go their way too. But then on the other hand, there are some that are really important papers, and you put them in a secure place. Maybe you think about uh, titles and maybe your will or something like that. You, you make special effort to preserve those. Those are special documents. Maybe you buy one of those fireproof boxes where you can keep those things secure, even if there'd be a fire at your house. Maybe you go to the extent of of renting a safe deposit box at the bank or something like that because those documents are really special and you you need to hold on to them, make sure nothing happens to them. So what we're saying is how you relate to various things that come to you of that sort all depends upon their importance and their significance. I want to suggest to you this morning that every one of you who are here have a document more important than any other that could ever come your way. It's God's message to you. It's the good news of salvation in Christ Jesus. It is the gospel. And this morning for a few minutes we want to talk about that gospel. In the reading that Mark did for us earlier, Paul described that gospel. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, by which also ye are saved, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Notice Paul talks about the gospel, and he says it is by which we are saved. And so this is the most important of all documents that you'll ever have in your possession or have access to. And so our question for study this morning is, what should you do with the gospel? What, how, how should you treat it? How should you react to it? What, what would you do with this most important of all documents that come your way? We'll talk about that briefly here in just a moment. Thanks for being here on this Lord's Day morning. We're glad that you have come. We appreciate each and every one who are here. We have visitors with us today. We're glad that you are here We are open to your questions. If we can assist you with Bible study, if there's anything that we can do to be of help to you, please let us know. We're very glad for our visitors. We want you to come back every time you have a chance. But we're also very glad to see all of our own family members too, those who are members here at College U. Thanks for your presence and thanks for the encouragement that you lend to us all by being here. So what are you going to do with the gospel? Is it going to be like that junk mail that that comes in the mailbox almost every day? You're just going to throw it away? 
Uh, are you going to just maybe look at it briefly and then discard it? Or even is it like maybe your, your will or, or property titles? Are you just going to put it in a lockbox and put it away someplace and never even look at it for years and years at a time? Of course, the answer to all those is no. We're not going to treat it that way. Concerning this gospel of our salvation, the first thing that we need to do is that we need to hear it. We need to actually be aware of it and understand the message. Advertisers who are selling this world's goods try to catch our attention by claiming that they have something new or something that's really important, big news they want you to hear. And so whenever you're subject to the ads that they put out, They're going to make you think that they have something very impressive and totally important. But the fact of the matter, of course, is it's probably not. Whatever it is that they're selling, you probably don't need. And if you bought it, it wouldn't work when you got it. All that sort of thing. Their message, although they want to catch your attention by saying this is really important, it's not really that important. But this message about salvation in Christ Jesus is, of course, great and important news. And you need to listen to it. In Acts chapter 15, the Apostle Peter was describing the situation where he was called to the house of Cornelius. In Acts 15, he says to an assembled group of people in Jerusalem, he says, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. As we just mentioned, he was describing there the situation where he had been called to the house of Cornelius. And it's interesting, as you remember that incident, to think about the fact that God went to considerable uh, lengths in order to get the message delivered to Cornelius and his household. It was very important for them to hear the message of salvation. Of course, that's true of us all, and it's been true throughout time. God has desired us and and gone to great lengths in order to make it possible for us to hear His message. He wants to get that message to mankind. It's essential that we hear it. God could have chosen to save us in any way that He wanted to, but He made it a critical part of His plan that we hear the message of salvation. Sadly, very sadly, Many people these days turn a deaf ear to the gospel. They're just not interested in hearing it at all. In doing so, they neglect the most important information that will ever come their way. Uh, There's nothing they need more than the gospel message. They need to hear it, but they many times refuse to hear it. Let us hear what God has to say. And then, of course, upon hearing it, we need to believe the gospel. Uh, Just hearing it is not enough. Um, Every once in a while you hear about something that is too good to be true. We even have that expression, don't we? That's just too good to be true. I'm going to tell you, this is almost too good. The gospel message about salvation in Christ Jesus is almost too good to be imagined, but it is true, and we need to believe it. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, Jesus said, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So upon hearing the message from God, we need to believe what it says. As you well know, the the skeptics and the doubters and the critics all think that we are just being foolish to believe the things that the Bible says. 
And they criticize us that way, but of course their criticisms are based on the fact that they've never even honestly investigated the message of the gospel. We have, haven't we? We've investigated that message of the gospel. We know that there's overwhelming and abundant proof that the things said in the gospel are true. We're not making that so-called blind leap of faith. You know, Mark Twain famously said that faith is believing what you know isn't true. He was wrong about that. When we believe the gospel, we're, we're making that determination based upon the fact that the evidence is there. There's overwhelming evidence. And so upon hearing the truth of the message from God, we need to believe it. All right, so you've heard and you believe. What are you going to do next? Well, think of it this way. Maybe think about that day after Thanksgiving every year, Black Friday. Uh, all, of the, all of the retail merchants put out information about the big sales that they're going to have on Black Friday. And the stores open earlier and earlier, but let's say that the particular thing that you, you hear that they have a special deal on this thing that you really need, and, and you, you believe that the report that they're going to be selling it at a deeply discounted price is absolutely true. You, you, hear the, you hear about it and you believe that they are actually going to be selling this at a very low price. What do you do? Do you do nothing? No, you don't do nothing. You get busy. You act upon that. You get in line early. Maybe the store is opening at 5 a.m. on Friday morning. You're in line at 4.15 so that you can buy that thing, right? So you heard that they were selling it at a cheap price and you believed what they said. And you got up early and went and stood in line so that you could buy. You acted upon what you heard and believed, right? Well, the same thing here. When we hear the gospel message and we believe that it's true, then we have to act upon it. We have to obey it. Paul described the great danger in failing to obey the gospel in 2 Thessalonians 1, beginning verse 7. He says, To you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of God and from the glory of His power. You see that? You see the danger in not acting? If you do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be flaming fire of vengeance, punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. That's really serious. You can't afford to do nothing when it comes to the gospel. Everything points to the reality that you need to act and you need to obey. Common sense itself says, obey this gospel message. It is so important. Hear it, believe it, obey it. Continue to live as the gospel teaches you to live. Initial obedience to the gospel is not enough. We often talk about the plan of salvation. Uh, I've had... Someone object to us calling it the plan of salvation, saying that that's not a biblical terminology, which I acknowledge completely. You can't read the phrase plan of salvation in the New Testament. That's, that's, a, that's a phrase that we have coined, but we think it is descriptive of what takes place. There is a plan for our salvation. 
we hear, believe, repent, confess, we are baptized for the remission of sins. That is how we act upon what the gospel teaches us to do. And that initial obedience to the gospel is absolutely necessary, but that's really just the starting part, right? That's just where we begin. We've got to continue to live as the gospel teaches. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul says, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Notice, you conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. He would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12, Endure all things. We endure all things that we may cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Paul conducted himself in such a way that nothing about his life or the way he acted would serve to hold back the gospel cause. And he actually instructed us all, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. The question for us, of course, is are we doing so? There's no greater harm that, uh, that can be caused than the harm of a Christian not living up to what they claim to believe. You heard the message, you believed it, you gave that initial obedience, but now you're not living your life like a Christian should live. I'll tell you, that's really hurtful to the cause of Christ. People in the community who know your claim, they, you say you're a Christian, but they can see clearly that the way you're living is not what the Bible teaches a person to do, and they're going to be completely turned away uh, as they see that. A hundred faithful Christians, the influence of a hundred faithful Christians can easily be offset by one Christian who is openly denying the gospel in the way he lives, not living up to what they claim to believe. And so, we've got to continue to live the gospel in our lives. We need to preach the gospel what would you do if you heard an amazing offer? What, what do you do, for that matter? It's not just what would you do. What do you do when you hear about an amazing offer that's being made at some store? Uh, they're selling new computers for $29.95 over at Best Buy or at Electronic Express. What do you do with that? Well, after you heard it and you believed it and you acted upon it yourself... You would tell others too, wouldn't you? If you heard of such an outrageously good offer, you would tell others. Well, that's the same thing we ought to do with the gospel. We heard it, we believed it, we acted upon it, we received the benefit of it. We continued, as we live it, we continue to receive the blessings of being a child of God through Christ Jesus, His Son. We need to share that information. We would do it about any other good thing we learned about. And we need to be sharing that information. We need to be preaching the gospel. Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I don't know about you, but when you think about preaching the gospel to every creature, the potential is that you could just be overwhelmed by the magnitude of that assignment. There are over 7 billion human beings on planet Earth today. And here we are in tiny Columbia, Tennessee. How in the world are we going to get the gospel to every creature? Well, of course, God does not expect us to do more than we're able to do. We ought to be concerned about 
people everywhere, all across the globe, who need to hear the gospel of Christ. And, and we, we try to make some efforts in that regard, don't we? I, I don't know that everyone here knows uh, uh, that we just recently made a commitment as a congregation just to support Nestor Sanchez, whom we know, uh, on his next preaching trip to Cuba. He goes there and does a lot of good sharing the gospel with the people on the island of Cuba. And we are blessed to be able to have fellowship with him in that work. So we, we are trying to reach people in other places. There's no doubt about that. But while that could perhaps seem like a daunting challenge, preach the gospel to every creature, know that for us, the, the greater reality and the greater possibility is that are, uh, all those people that are right around us in our immediate sphere of influence, um, we have family. We have friends, we have neighbors, we have co-workers, we have fellow students, we have people we know that we can share the gospel with. We need to preach that gospel. And so that is one of the things that we should do with it as well. You benefited by it. Tell other people as well. Certainly, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Well, I got some information. And I'm ashamed to tell you that they're selling ribeye steaks at Food Lion for 69 cents a pound. I'm ashamed to tell you that. What? You're ashamed to share that kind of good news? Ribeye steaks for 69 cents a pound? Tell everybody. Shout it from the rooftops, right? There's no shame in sharing such great news, right? Why would we be ashamed of the gospel? It's the best news of all, and we should be excited to share it. We certainly should not be ashamed of it. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. In the case of the Apostle Paul, we know well that he had suffered tremendously as he went about preaching the gospel of Christ. He had been tormented and persecuted in so many different places. And the fact of the matter is that when he penned this letter to the church at Rome, his suffering was not nearly over. There would be a lot more that he would have to endure. But Paul said, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And we should not be ashamed of that gospel message either. As we've been saying, it's the most important message the world has ever heard. And we need to be proclaiming it to all who will hear it. We need to preach it and not be ashamed of it. Let me suggest to you that we need to defend the gospel. The gospel message, as special and wonderful as it is, has lots of enemies in the world. All throughout the centuries, there have been efforts to squash the gospel message. We know that there have even uh, been times in history when there was an effort to collect all the Bibles and destroy them, to completely rid the world of God's written word. And they never succeeded in that. In fact, God's word promises that they wouldn't be able to succeed in doing that. But the fact of the matter is there have been lots of enemies through the ages against the gospel message, and there continue to be today. Just heard on the news, Cindy had the news on, I think just this morning, maybe it was last night, where some school district, I think maybe in Pennsylvania, has been the, the principal, when he made the announcements every morning at school, would end his announcements with the expression, God bless America. 
And some parent objected to that, and he's been forced to stop saying, God bless America. (laughs) Crazy. Crazy, the world that we live in. But that's just emblematic of the kind of enemies that God's truth has. And any reference to God, any reference to His Word, there are plenty of enemies uh, against the gospel message. And for that matter, there are also a lot of people who would take the gospel and twist it and pervert it, teach false doctrines relative to it. There's just a, there's a lot of problems. People in the world are not going to treat the gospel right. They're going, to, they're going to try to destroy it or they're going to try to pervert it. And it becomes our duty to defend it. And we've been told to do so. Paul said of himself in Philippians 1 verse 17, I am set for the defense of the gospel. Uh, the idea of it there is that he's willing to plead the case. Uh, the, the words suggest that he's willing to offer the, the, the proof and, and defense that it is true. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul says, There be some of you that, there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel. And so Paul said, The gospel needs defending. I'm, I'm ready. I'm set for the defense of the gospel. And it's not just against people who want to, deny it altogether or or wipe it out but it's even against some who just going to take it and twist it and pervert it and use it in ways that was never intended to do paul said he was set for the defense of the gospel and we should be as well so hear the truth and believe it obey it live it preach it without shame defend it against its enemies Finally, let me suggest to you, hold on to it. Never let it go. We started out talking about documents that come into your possession. Some are a lot more important than others, but about those important documents, you put them in a place to be preserved. Uh, As I said earlier, maybe even you, you are aware of the possibility that maybe a fire or something else could happen, so you You put it in a lockbox some way that would even be protected should there be a house fire, something of that nature. Special, important documents. And maybe in addition to those, maybe you have not, they wouldn't be important to anybody else, but maybe you have some messages that came to you from a loved one. You know, maybe you husbands and wives have some of those love letters that you exchanged when you were courting one another. Or maybe a letter that was passed down to you from an ancestor. Maybe your grandparents wrote a letter. and They, they, they died a number of years ago, but you still have that letter that your grandmother sent to you or something. And you're saving it. It's special. You're not going to get ready. You're going to hold on to that. If there ever was a message delivered that we need to hold on to, it is this gospel message. Let me take you back to that original text we started out with in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul said, I make, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also ye received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Notice he speaks of the gospel and he says, hold fast the word. Lots of things change in life. But this never will. This gospel message of salvation in Christ never will change. Our reaction to this message must be, hold on to it. Keep it. Live it. 
steadfastly do what it teaches us to do. Never let it go. So, what are you going to do with the gospel? What should you do with the gospel? Well, all, all of the scripture indicates our appropriate reactions to it as we've tried to describe this morning. The gospel, the most important message ever delivered to anyone, is in your hands. How will you deal with it? It may be this morning that you have heard this message and that you maybe even been convinced by the evidence of its truthfulness, which is all good, but you've never acted upon it. If that's the case, we would urge you to make a decision without delay. Obey that simple gospel plan. Repent, confess, and be baptized for the remission of sins. If that's your situation this morning, we'd be glad to assist in your obedience. We'd be anxious to witness you obey the gospel of Christ. If you're a Christian already, but you haven't been continuing to live it as we talked about, then you need to correct that situation. It should not be allowed to linger in your life. If you've fallen short as a Christian, come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing.